the inside is right It's time to be stirred The time is now The winds have changed Read the signs No time to hide The winds have changed Millennia ago from the little cave on the tiny island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, For the Winds Have Changed. Together we can pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times. Hey, welcome everyone. God bless you for tuning into the Winds of Change. It's um, Wednesday as I'm recording this, you know, so that, you know what that means. It's a beautiful Wednesday. Father Tom Coyce here. Happy to be with you. We're in the beginning era of the holy season of Lent, at least when we're recording this. But the topic I want to touch on is goes beyond Lent. Um, You're going to need a bigger post. We need a bigger boat. We are, and we always need a bigger, um, more time is what we need. But and a bigger church. Remember, um, that's one of the great themes. If you've been listening to the Winds of Change, if you caught my brain wrinkling Wednesdays before, the bigger boat reminds me of converting to Catholicism, where more is seen. More is seen, and that's um, that will relate to what I want to talk about today. Wow. You just wrinkled my brain, man. It's a darn... And imagine when we meet God, either in this life when we have an awakening of sorts, it's almost always a seeing more than what we saw. And when we die and go to heaven to meet God, that's what, what kind of opening of our eyes will that be? Well, um... In, in a little bit of study about the Mass, um, I stum, stumbled on, um, there's, a, there's an a old poem called the Dies Irae, the Day of Wrath, Irae. So if you know Spanish, that's sort of Ira. A lot of times people, I used to, I used to wonder when I was hearing confessions in Spanish a lot, people would confess Ira and uh, like getting mad, wrath. Um, I was... Sometimes confused about exactly what kind of wrath or what kind of anger they're talking about. But anyways, Latin is, of course, very similar to Spanish, vice versa. But anyways, um, there is this uh, uh, very, uh, I don't want to say ancient poem, but it's uh, from the Middle Ages. And I discovered that although there's some controversy of who wrote it, um, most scholars um, attribute it to one of St. Francis of Assisi's friars, one of his close friends, and the guy who wrote two biographies about St. Francis in the immediate years after his death. So he's very um, close to St. Francis and a very um, uh, knowledgeable about about that wonderful saint that we, we so often... Um, uh, learn from, right? So anyways, you might be, let's see if you know, uh, Mozart, of course. Let me, let me start with this. You would remember the music that goes along with it. It goes something like this. will dissolve all things 
David being witness along with the Sybil. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great piece, is it not? Um, I have to throw this at you, too, that um, did you know that um, in doing a little research on this here ancient poem, uh, somebody asked um, not only um, who kind of wrote it, but um, uh, it's used quite often. And I was surprised to see um, the Lion King. That, that that it was in that movie is in The Shining. You can sort of see that. The Lord of the Rings used it. Even Star Wars Episode Four. It's even in It's a Wonderful Life. I can't, I've seen A Wonderful Life so many times, but I can't exactly picture it when that was in there. It might have been a quick clip. Mad Max, uh, that movie. Django Unchained. Django, that was a, that was a um, Spanish um, kind of a flamingo guitar dancing person during World War II. The reason I know that, I, um, he's kind of a jazz kind of guy, um, uh, did a lot of swing, one of the wonderful um, guys that I know, um, and maybe you know, the, Peter Serby, he's a, um, it's a wonderful um, supernumerary with Opus Day. He is one of the most talented musical persons that I know, he's a phenomenal guitarist, and he's written a number of plays. And one of one of the plays he wrote was called um, "Where's Django?" They, uh, and it was uh, he included swing dancing and all the rest. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see um, "Where's Django" by Peter Servi, run, don't walk. Make sure it's wonderful. It's a great uh, it's a great play for um, schools because it has so much dancing and you could put lots of people in it, which is what schools always have to try to do to get people to come to the play, right? Um, and it's even been used in um, the Simpson episodes. Anyways, the reason I, I stumbled on that is because um, I'm reading a very interesting book about the Catholic Mass, um, and it dives into uh, a topic that we should all be kind of interested in. And Obviously, there, there's a lot of controversies, or a lot of a lot of things you could learn, and, and we're 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 debating that the church today is um, is uh, I well, I, I want to say is debating, but unfortunately, we're, we're not debating as much, but we're just sort of standing still. Uh, but there is a lot of discussion going on about the mass especially when, when thinking of the traditional parts of the Mass. Um, so anyways, I thought it would be good to um, uh, review some, some Let me, I, I put together this list. Let's see, it's at, 20, it's at 18 right now. Different sort of uh, debates regarding the Mass. And I, I share some thoughts in an attempt to help our, our wonderful bishops um, build up unity uh, and to help people who um, go to Mass and have our preferences, but where we divide or where we're different in our preferences. Um, it begins. It, it begins. Well, yes, it do. It do. <laughs> Anyways. This, you might come up with an, another list, but here's just some of the things we, uh, shall we say, differ on or have our preferences. And I really think that a lot of, a, a greater sense of unity would come in if we apply one of the, a great philosophical distinction that I've always used in my life, coming from Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas, especially, and that is the distinction between essence and accidents. You know, the essence of something is what endures throughout the existence of a thing's life or a person's life, that essence, what you get down to the real nature of it. And then the accidents are, are those things that can change at times and... Um, will not change the essence of 
what a thing is. So I think if we apply the Aristotelian distinction between essence and accidents, we can come to a, a much better appreciation for what goes on in church. And again, this this is um, it's kind of a topic for those who do go to church. A lot of the things you might hear on radio and, and when priests preach and or talk, they're trying to get those who don't go to church to go to church, something like that. Uh, anyways, I just did a just did a funeral for a, uh, a woman who pretty clearly must have drifted away from the church. Most of her family um, didn't go to church. There were a few, of course, that did. And um, uh, whenever I talk to folks, I, I try to entice them back. I, and and it, it's a different kind of... Uh, message. It's a different kind of approach. Um, when you know people are there because they sort of have to be there because it's a funeral, but it's not that it's a part of their habit. And uh, even when they're not at church, they probably are arguing and explaining to other people why they don't go to church and have a lot of reasons for not going to church. And so I try to address a lot of those. And my approach I don't think um, the most popular approach with um, modern-day popular evangelists, and the reason I say that is because what's popular with modern-day evangelists is is to say, um, in order to get them back into church, all you do is have to invite them and show that you're nice, <laughs> show that you show that you mean them no harm, um, etc. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There's that, there's that, that's the reward room. Thank you very much, Nick. Uh, we haven't had a punishment. Um, was very complimentary because he said, boy, he, he often just oh Nick Nick are, are we there still St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago, serving preschool, age three and four, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grades. 
We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic social-emotional learning, Chinese, Spanish, STEM, and more, providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststandschicago.org. ststandschicago.org. I'm Father Tom Coys, Winds of Change guest host, and you are listening to the Winds of Change. Sometimes it's tough to hear winds of change over the air. What with tall buildings, power lines, and other static. Now you can hear Winds of Change anywhere, anytime, or on any device. When Winds of Change is on the air, Monday through Friday, noon to one, go to ststandschurch.org. Scroll down to the Winds of Change tile and click on the Listen Live button or visit Winds of Change Facebook page to see the Listen Live link. Thank you very much. Uh, looks like um, looks like we lost the connection there again. Sorry about that. Um, um, anyways, let's get back to the topic du jour. I'm trying to uh, talk liturgy here a little bit, Catholic liturgy. And um, uh, I was about to give you my list of some of the debates and the preferences that many people have. And um, I'm going to, I hope I... I don't know if I said this while I was on or not, but I would like to apply the important philosophical uh, principle that comes from Thomas Aquinas and Aristotle, two guys that are not in the popular mode today. But the basic difference between essence and accidents, essence and accidents, and what is the essence of the liturgy, the Catholic liturgy, what are the accidentals? Because if we don't have that distinction really clear in our minds, um, we could be very frustrated by a lot of the different experiences. Um, and and um, I, I certainly believe that certain preferences are better suited to reveal and get to the essence of what the Catholic liturgy, Catholic Mass is supposed to be. But certainly it can be, uh, the essence can be found in, in so many various uh, rites and forms and what have you. Anyways, here's, here's a, a little list and see if you agree. These are key things to keep in mind. The first and very, very important is the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist versus a symbolic presence of Christ in the Eucharist. A lot is said about that. It's very, very important to see it. Um, but uh, we'll lead off our list with that. And of course, I'm going to, I'm going to push you to, ex to accept and ask for the faith to believe that the Eucharist is a real, is the real presence of Christ, not, not a symbolic presence. Uh, presence of Christ. The next is, there's an emphasis that the Mass has, has has one foot in Calvary and one foot in Easter. And there are Catholics who who, who see the, the, the importance of Calvary, Jesus dying on the cross for us, and then don't always see the the uh, the presence of, of the resurrected Lord um, and uh, realize that uh, 
that even though life is miserable and life is difficult, uh, we need to be people of joy, Easter people, as we sometimes say. So that's a, that's a, a huge thing, and I, I think we have to be very much aware about people's lives when they, when when we debate about that one way or another. In their lives, there may be such pain and sorrow that that the um, the Easter joy just doesn't seem clear yet, and and there's more comfort in in walking with and in, in encountering the, the the suffering Jesus. It's also possible that people um, kind of close their eyes to the suffering of others, or to sort of ignore their own suffering and and prefer the Mass that um, is the um, uh, Easter joy kind of approach to Mass. Um, it, I have a friend who, who calls some of the Masses, uh, oh, that was a happy, clappy Mass. <laughs> happy, Got to keep the people happy and got to keep them clapping. Of course, we must have taken over Great deal. So um, I, I do think you have to, number one, uh, appreciate the suffering in other people's lives and e even in your own life realize that some of our sins cause suffering of others. And kind of like the way people drink to, to um, forget their problems, uh, the, hap the, the more happy Mass, or the, the, the Mass that is supposedly emphasizing Easter joy, might not be truly emphasizing the true spirit of Easter joy because there is a kind of um, avoidance of the suffering of others, as it were. So, okay, the next thing is in, in church, we sometimes have the have the two meanings. What you're doing in church is building community, or are you going to church to experience a window into heaven? Building community, of course, is, is important, but the community of saints is, is the key and the most important community, right? So a window into heaven to see what the community of saints that have been purified, that have reached a certain holiness, needs to be a guide and a and a um, a, rule, a standard for wow. building up community. You just wrinkled my yeah. brain, man. That that is a brain wrinkler for sure, and uh, um, you you deal with other people's faults and problems in your community. It is a, it's a family affair, as we like to say. But the ultimate meaning of family comes from heaven. And uh, obviously God himself is a family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I want to share, too, a little bit of the uh, devotion called uh, God the Father. There is no feast in the Catholic year, Catholic calendar, for celebrating God as the Father. And there's a um, very beautiful devotion that I'm trying to get through during this Lent. Um, anyways, we'll get, get back to that. So that's another one of the um, uh, this or that aspect of what you like in, in, in liturgy. Another one is emphasize lay ministry, or does the priest do everything? Um, m most of us today are, are very happy with a lot of lay people being involved, um, though there is a sense in the church today that the, the priest is, is the servant of the, shall we say, the liturgy committee or what have you, and if priest is a little, um, has an opinion about something, then obviously he has to conform his way to the, to the, uh, 
uh, the directors of the liturgy committee, which can be a difficulty. The, the Catholic Church is unique in the sense that the, the priest called well, even the term celebrant um, or um, the, the, the priest, uh, the, the, there's too much of a functionary attitude about the priest. Um, come here and do what you got to do, but we're, um, we're in charge, shall we say. Uh, the were meaning the liturgy committee. So priests versus lay people. And again, the, the, it's not an either or. There's got to be both. The, the priest uh, has to have his role and his expertise in a lot of ways needs to be respected. Um, and so, um, and, and the very idea of lay participation needs to be revisited a little bit more for most of us. Um, the participation just, just as um, I'm, I'm up there in the sanctuary somehow, or, or reading or the idea of participation can easily be turned into a functionary aspect too. It's, it's a danger for the priest and it's a danger for the lay people. I recently had a little, I had a mass with a, a little, little boy who was being trained to be an altar boy and uh, I couldn't help but mention his, his sisters were in the pews watching his, their little brother become an altar boy. And I had to address the words to the sisters as well because I know that a lot of young girls, if they're not serving, will see a boy start serving and they will say, how come I can't serve? Now, of course, most places do have girl servers, but if the, the mother doesn't want them to serve that way, then there's a good reason. Here's what I told the girls. I said, I said, girls, don't don't think it's an issue of of uh, uh, women's rights. I can't serve, but the boy is up there serving. I told the girls, you gotta understand that boys need a bit more attention to get them into the religious mode of things. Boys need a little more uh, direction. They're not as naturally disposed to the religious life and religiosity as girls are. And just recall this to mind, that the, the most important thing a girl could hope for is to marry a religious, God-fearing man. And they're hard to find at times. So it, your, your participation in the pew is, is, is equally important. And there's a, just being in the sanctuary doesn't mean you're not participating. That's a, I think that's a key aspect. Oh, Nick, I think we're almost at the bottom of the hour here, even though we lost a little bit of time there. Should we take our wow. first break? You just ring my brain, man. We'll come back and um, a lot of other things on, on the topic of Catholic liturgy to go into. So anyways, I'm Father Tom Coy's guest host on The Winds of Change. You are listening to the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland, WSFI 88.5 FM, and AM 750 WNDZ. How long has it been since you have been to church? Busy schedule, work, or just lost interest? To be Catholic is not just merely attending Mass as just another weekend activity to be checked off the to-do list. Participation in the Sacred Liturgy gives you the opportunity to be intimately connected to Christ through the Holy Eucharist. You can also cleanse yourself of sin through the Sacrament of Reconciliation as a baptized Catholic. Come before the iconic monstrance to be in Christ's presence in the sacred silence of the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy. St. Stanislaus Koska Church is open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 
St. Stan's is just off the Kennedy, two blocks north of Division on Noble. Come back to Christ through the sacred liturgy and his gift of the sacraments at St. Stan's. We are the students of St. Stan's La Costa Academy, and you're listening to the Winds of Change. Here's some good news. We are pleased to announce that St. Stanislaus Koska is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in answer to our Blessed Mother's call to open the doors. The Blessed Sacrament will again be exposed all day, every day, except when Masses or other services are being held. You are invited to come and pray anytime, day or night. For your safety, we ask that you practice social distancing and wear a mask. Hand sanitizer is available and St. Stan's has increased cleaning and sanitizing of the church, and a security person will be on site. More information can be found at ststanschurch.org. That's ststanschurch.org. St. Stanislaus Koska is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Hope we're... Hope you're tuned in well, and whether you're listening on a podcast or, or live on our AM and FM stations, right? 7.50 AM and 88.5 FM. Anyways, I am talking about Catholic liturgy, and since we're in Lent, I stumbled on this. Um, maybe you, you remember this piece of music. <laughs> day of wrath that will come will dissolve the world in ashes. David being witness along with the Sibyl. Day of wrath that day. The world will dissolve in ashes. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? Actually, that's Verdi's version of it. I think I called it Mozart a little bit before. Anyways, there are, I know that there are a number of definite, there are a number of versions of the musical uh, rendition of it. So it's it's um, scholars, <coughs> excuse me, are a little bit divided about who wrote it, but most agree that it was most likely um, a priest friar by the name of uh, Thomas. Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Thomas Shela, Cella, and so um, he was a good friend of Saint Francis. <clears throat> and um, here is my, mine. As well, read through all nineteen stanzas. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't you like to hear? <laughs> it, it's a uh, <coughs> oh boy, excuse me. It's a bit of a wake up call, and it's a good wake up call. Sometimes we need that, especially during Lent, right? I am the king. It's the gift of the fear of the Lord is what it is. Um, we should have a fear of the Lord. And let's face it, um, the um, the fear of the Lord, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit, has been downplayed quite a bit. And um, we do need to discover that God doesn't hate us and doesn't, God doesn't want to punish us. As a matter of fact, that's the whole spirit of that beautiful devotion of God the Father. The picture of associated with that uh, devotion has God the Father sitting with his robes and uh, with his crown at his feet. He's taken off his crown to try to express the idea that he's not a vengeful father. He is a loving father and all... Everything that he does and pushes us to is because he wants to love us and make us fit for the communion of saints. But we don't often think that we have to change much. <clears throat> Anyways, let's go through the Dies Irae. This is the English text. Of course, the first uh, versions would have been in Latin. And uh, um, actually, the, the, the English text that I'm looking at, and I tried to look at a few different ones, uh, was by an American priest, uh, not until the um, 
20s, I think it was, something like that. So, um, Dominican priest. Anyways, it goes like this, Day of wrath, that day, will dissolve the world into burning coals, as David bore witness with the Sibyl. Now i got to know who Sibyl, there's actually two Sibyls in literature. They're both associated with ancient pagan rites, ancient pagan uh, um, goddesses. They're, they're sort of uh, goddesses of the pagan world, even before Christianity. And uh, Sibyl um, predicted the end of the world and that the, that the gods or, or they would uh, judge the people between good and bad. So a number of Catholic saints, like St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine, St. Francis, of, I don't know that well, St. Francis didn't write much, but um, uh, he would have said, yeah, this is where the pagans got it right, at least. Um, at least they're warning the people that somewhere along the line we will be judged between good and bad. So that's why the poem, the Dies Eres, makes references to the, to the Sibyl. So it goes on. There's, there's 19 stanzas. We'll, we'll go through them here. How great a tremor is to be when the judge is to come, briskly shattering every grave. A trumpet sounding an astonishing sound through the tombs of the region drives all men before the throne. Death will be stunned, and so will nature. When arises man, the creature, responding to the one judging. The written book will be brought forth, in which the whole record of evidence is contained, whence the world is to be judged. Wherefore, or, I'm sorry, therefore, when the judge shall sit, whatever lay hidden will appear, nothing unavenged will remain. O thou, God of majesty, nourishing brilliance of the Trinity, join us with the blessed. What am I, the wretched, then to say? What patron I to beseech? when scarcely the just man be secure. King of tremendous majesty, who saves those to be saved free, save me, font of piety. Remember, faithful Jesus, because I am the cause of your journey, do not lose me on that day. Thou hast sat down as one wearied seeking me. Thou hast redeemed me, having suffered the cross. So much labor, let it not be lost. Just judge of the avenging punishment. Work the gift of the remission of sins before the day of the reckoning. I groan as the accused. My face grows red from my fault. Spare this supplicant, O God. O thou God of majesty, nourishing brilliance in the Trinity, join us with the blessed. Thou who forgave Mary, the sinful woman, and favorably heard the good thief, hast also given me hope my prayers are not worthy, but do thou, good God, deal kindly, lest I burn in perennial fire. Among the sheep offer me a place, and from the goats sequester me, placing me at thy right hand. After the accursed have been silenced, given up to the bitter flames, call me with the blessed. Kneeling and bowed down, I pray, my heart contrite as ashes. Do thou my destiny 
care for my end. That sorrowful day on which will arise from the burning coals man accursed to be judged. Therefore, O God, do thou spare him. Faithful Lord Jesus, grant him rest. O thou God of majesty, nourishing brilliance of the Trinity, join us with the blessed. Amen. Amen. It's the it's powerful, and it it's sort of that wake up call we we, we need during during Lent, right? Um, we know that the the day will come when we will f face God, and one of the unfortunate things of the um, shall we say modern, more liberal approach to not only religion but life in general is that we don't we don't fret over too many sins. Uh, some, some, obviously some people do. You just wrinkled my brain, man. Yeah, yeah. And when, when somebody is, is, is really stuck in a kind of a scrupulosity or a scrupulous, or a, you know, a feeling of guilt, um, it's, it obviously can, can, can keep you down and, and you need uh, to be picked up. Um, but the majority of society today, the majority of people, the majority of Catholics, um, don't have the problem of overscrupulosity. They have the problem of uh, the presumption of of salvation without much um, concern or or worry about doing penance for past sins, um, etc. So, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. I need to help you. This poem, um, I'm going to read here a little bit more of some of the um, uh, background of it. Uh, this author, a guy by the name of Father Gier, or Gier, G-I-H-R, French priest, um, who was sort of an expert on the poem and uh, from which the American uh, priest translated into English. He says, it's no exaggeration to say that this poem is scarcely inferior to the imitation of Christ. Every verse of the Dies is a volume of profoundest meditation in his dogmatical and mystical interpretation of the sequence for devotional reading and meditation, which he entitled Dies the distinguished father, Kir, has used the text as a skeleton on which to build a body of teaching drawn from Holy Scripture and the writings of the fathers. This was used, when you say sequence, it is used, a, some of us will remember sequences are used on major feasts like Easter. There's a sequence, you know, if you're a lector, you'll realize, oh, wait a minute, do, do we read the sequence together? Or are we going to sing it? Or are we, am I supposed to lead it? Etc. There's a sequence for um, Easter. There's a sequence for Pentecost. Um, but anyways, this would have been used quite often at funerals, just regular funerals. So I might have to bring that tradition back here for, because it 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 does. Uh, it, it focuses. It, it gives God his rightful place as the judge of humanity. God. God should be the judge of humanity, and we should um, uh, have a bit of fear because humanity hasn't gotten it right, and we're, we're, there's so much error and problem. Uh, I like to tell people, I really hope and pray, and I'm grateful for the gift of the doctrine of purgatory, primarily because I don't want heaven to be like this world. I want heaven to be better than this world. And if people are no better in heaven than they are in this world, then heaven will have its share of wars, dysfunctionality, <laughs> betrayal, hatred, and all the rest. Sure, this life is beautiful. Sure, this world is beautiful, but it is in heaven. So how do you, how does God snap his fingers, shall we say, in bringing all people into heaven 
and if they're not changed somehow, that that heaven will be heavenly versus heaven will be earthly. <laughs> um, I always like to use the example in order to explain purgatory, and I, I will use this as as a little example at funerals at times. As I say, when I'm trying to evangelize people at a funeral, I I want I want to make them smile. I don't want them to be mad, but I don't. I I also don't want them to walk away without a little bit of a burning conscience. I I I take that approach so often with um, pastoral ministry, even like for training people for baptisms, training people for getting married. If they're if they're not going to church, they're in a sinful state. If they're doing, if they're living together, using artificial contraception, um, if they're um, all sorts of things that we can say, okay, that's not the way God wants us to live. So I know, par- partly because in some ways I've been there myself, you know, in different, you, especially, let me, let me use the example of, um, people coming for a baptism preparation meeting. And a lot of times the mother will say, well, I'll come, but my husband can't make it. Oftentimes it's because he works. But often, too, it's because he doesn't want to (laughs) come. Because you don't want to, if you're living away from religion, you don't want to have to confront a priest. Um, And a lot of priests know that, so a lot of priests bend over backwards to just be real nice and and say, um, hey, you're a great guy, you're a great fam, you know, you're a great person. Um, we're not here to judge you. We just want you to. Um, we're just here to baptize your baby. Um, and I always imagine, if I don't, shall, shall we say, um, scratch their conscience or, or the other word, prick their prick their conscience in one way or another. Then they walk away saying, "Woo, I got away with that." Kind of like when you're stopped by police. You know, if you're speeding and, and the police pull you over, and uh, they just give you a warning, right? You go, oh, "Thank goodness." <laughs> Have you been there? I'm sorry to say, I've been there a, few, a couple of times. Anyways, um, if we as priests are working with our people and we don't, in some way, uh, like I say, awaken their conscience. In other words, not just have them leave them smiling and happy. Then they walk away. Ooh, I got away with that. I don't have to change. Um, We're baptizing my baby. I'm getting married. I don't really have to change. Um, But unfortunately, the answer is yes, you do have to change. And I do think Nick, we better get in another commercial point right here. We got our wonderful ads. We got a plug and all that. And I'm a little off kilter today because of that um, lost time at the beginning. So, Nick, let's do our um, another break. Uh, we only have a little bit of time left in our precious hour. But um, stay tuned, my friends. I'm Father Tom Coys, guest host on The Winds of Change. And you are listening to the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland. WSFI Catholic Radio on 88.5 FM and WNDZ, which is AM 750. Here's some good news. We are pleased to announce that St. Stanislaus Koska is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week in answer to our Blessed Mother's call to open the doors. The Blessed Sacrament will again be exposed all day, every day, except when Masses or other services are being held. You are invited to come and pray anytime, day or night. For your safety, we ask that you practice social distancing and wear a mask. Hand sanitizer is available, and St. Stan's has increased cleaning and sanitizing of the church. And a security person will be on site. More information can be found at ststanschurch.org. That's ststanschurch.org. St. Stanislaus Koska is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. I'm Father Tom Coys, Winds of Change guest host, and you are listening to the Winds of Change.
Sometimes it's tough to hear winds of change over the air. What with tall buildings, power lines, and other static. Now you can hear winds of change anywhere, anytime, or on any device. When winds of change is on the air Monday through Friday, noon to one, go to ststandschurch.org. Scroll down to the Winds of Change tile and click on the Listen Live button or visit Winds of Change Facebook page to see the Listen Live link. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Father Coy's here, Brain Wrinkling Wednesday. I've been reviewing the Dies Irae, which is a poem from the Middle Ages attributed to one of St. Francis of Assisi's um, uh, friars. Um, and uh, it, was, has, it was used a lot in, in um, Catholic funerals for many years as a sequence, but it's dropped out of use in recent years. Um, it's probably probably scared too many people. It doesn't have that. Uh, uh, sure, doesn't have that. Um, uh, everyone's welcome. Kind of, well, it, it, it everyone's welcome to meditate on the most important things of life, and that is um, whether we are are loving the way God would have us love, whether we're loving our neighbor the way God would have us love our neighbor and loving the way God would have us love himself. So um, here's another little tidbit I, I just discovered. We owe the English translation of of Father Gir um, from France in the 1800s to a Monsignor Joseph Schmidt. That's what he was, pastor of St. Clement Church in Ohio. The very basis of the sequence is the dread reality of the consummation of the world predicted by Jesus, right, in Matthew 25, right? Um, or 20, uh, 28, 28. This consummation um, consists in an elevation of the creature to a higher degree of existence in the supernatural renewal and transfiguration of the whole universe. Vain is the theory that looks upon creation as an endless series of recurrent changes, an eternal process of development and progress. We know that the world, as we view it, will come to an end. Human reason alone can arrive at no knowledge of the last things, the momentous events that will accompany the change in creation from time to eternity from the present unstable order of nature to the lasting and unchangeable order of eternity. Of concern to the individual are the last things. It's commonly enumerated as death, judgment, hell, and heaven. Those are the four last things. Um, and really, two of those are out of vogue today. Everybody knows we're going to die. We have to Except that, um, but judgment, eh, God. If God's our judge, because He's so merciful, no, no one's gonna have to pay any price. And uh, hell, if it exists, doesn't really have anybody in it. And um, and then there's heaven. And the mistake about heaven, I think, is 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 equally important to think about because. What we mostly think heaven, what most people think heaven is like, is what St. Augustine ex described as limbo. Remember that word, limbo? <laughs> limbo comes up when you discuss what happens to babies who die without baptism, because the Bible's so clear, Christ was so clear in, in stating that um, in order to get to get to heaven, you have to be baptized. And so what happens if you're not baptized? And even if you don't have the baptism of desire or the baptism of, of uh, blood, those, those are two other kinds of baptisms that are referred to. But absent those things, um, St. Augustine described, well, okay, maybe the person dies without baptism, and they certainly don't deserve hell, they are going to a place of bliss, of natural bliss, where as close as you could figure, 
life would be like what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden before they um, ate the apple. Uh, in other words, uh, an earthly paradise. And isn't that true? That is the way most people, <laughs> certainly me, it takes it takes a, a, a divine spark for you to want and think of and meditate on, a, a believe in a kind of even higher happiness. If um, if your view of heaven is wrong, then your 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 view of hell will be wrong. Your, your view of God's judgment will be wrong. Your view of what death is um, is wrong. So, uh, uh, with a little bit of time here, I, I'd like to read. There's a beautiful prayer regarding the God is my father devotions, which stems from a, a mystic by the name of Mother Eugenia. She was um, she, she was a incredible um, woman. She actually was she actually uh, applied her knowledge of science to the cure of leprosy. She started a leper colony uh, in the um, on the Ivory Coast, down, you know, by off of Africa, and so um, she helped uh, find a cure for it. She's a real smart woman, though she didn't have much of an education. And then she had these um, mystical revelations uh, to, with God the Father. God the Father was talking to her. It's an interesting, it's an interesting twist, right? When we think of talking to God, we usually think of talk to Jesus. And we should. Uh, and one of the big twists of this devotion that um, Sister Mother Eugenia has has us contemplate on is the, the in intense love, and that God doesn't want us to think of Him as the wrathful God, the wrathful Judge. Though though He's not going to deny that's part of His role, and that's that's where the the spirit of the Dies Irae is still legitimate and it doesn't contradict anything when we're trying to see God the Father as this great loving Father who wants us near Him. And, and obviously love is, is, a, a great, is the greatest motivator, right? This is how the prayer goes. My Father in heaven, how sweet it is to know that you are my Father and that I am your child especially when the skies of my soul are cloudy and my cross weighs more heavily. I feel the need to repeat to you, Father, I believe in your love for me. Yes, I believe that you are a father to me at every moment of my life and that I am your child. I believe that you love me with an infinite love. I believe that you are watching over me night and day and that not a hair falls from my head without your permission. I believe that in your infinite wisdom, you know better than I what is good for me. I believe that in your infinite power, you can bring good even out of evil. I believe that in your infinite goodness, you make everything to the advantage of those who love you. Even under the hands of those who strike you, I kiss your hand, which heals I believe, but increase in me my faith, hope, and love. Teach me always to see your love as you guide in every event of my life. Isn't that beautiful? So we do have to have that powerful image of God as our judge. We should have fear of the Lord, but ultimately it's his love that, we'll, that we will experience in heaven. And what, a, what, a, what an experience that will be. God love you. Hang in there, my friends. I'm Father Tom Coyce. You've been listening to The Winds of Change, the AM 750 WNDZ and 88.5 FM WSFI. Can you see, can you see the winds have changed? We marvel and flatter such meaningless thought 
the shell appears strong, but the inside is right. It's time to be stirred. The time is now. 